ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, so glad you're with us, Emily. How are you? This is In the Crease. Emily knows that already. Linda Cohn here, Emily Kaplan. Uh, I'm going to get to Emily's exploits in a bit, but boy, do we have big news. And uh, I'll tell you, Emily, I don't know what you thought, but this was huge. I didn't see it coming. Uh, The big news, Montreal Canadiens goaltender Carey Price uh, left the Montreal Canadiens to enter the voluntary uh, NHL, NHLPA uh, player assistance program. His head coach said you can expect Price not to be with the team for at least a month. Uh, His wife with an Instagram post, uh, which read Emily, as you know, uh, very detailed about, you know, bringing awareness to mental health and, and, and using the platform that Carrie Price has. And we all wish him the best. What was your first takeaway when you first heard the news about Carrie Price? Yeah, uh, same as you, a surprise, but also comforted in the fact that guys are knowing that this is an option and something that's so interesting. I was reporting on this last year um, when so many guys were struggling with their mental health because of the isolation that were with these COVID protocols and the NHLPA and NHL actually changed the name of this program. It used to be the substance abuse behavioral health program. And now all of a sudden you started hearing it being uh, referred to as the player assistance program. And they thought even that this changing the word would destigmatize it and make more players feel like, okay, maybe this is me. Maybe I don't have a substance use problem or maybe I don't have a behavioral health problem, but I'm just not right. And I still need help. And that to me felt like we're seeing progress because we don't know what court Carrie price is dealing with, but we know that he was in a secure enough spot or a confident enough spot that says, I have no problem telling the world I'm not okay. And I need help. And Linda, you had the great idea. Let's bring in someone who knows this topic so well, who has lived this topic, who has been an advocate for this topic. And that's former NHL goalie, Corey Hurst. So we're good. Let's call Corey right now. Corey, uh, welcome to the In the Crease podcast. We want to get right to this because it's such a, a topic that you've been at the forefront for decades now of mental health awareness because you've lived it. Can you describe to our listeners what this was like for you back in the day and when did you know something was not right? Absolutely. I had um, nobody to talk to back then. Um, there was a stigma you thought you were going to get buried. The coach was going to get rid of you. So you said nothing, but that buried you even further in the ground. And for me, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So I can tell you the day and time where it felt like something in my brain just broke. Um, and from there, it was horrible thoughts that I didn't want there that um, I really, really struggled with. That's the Coles notes. There's much more to do with that. And I did it all in my head. So people think of hand washers. They think of organized people. There's so much more to OCD than, than that. And I encourage people to get help. If you're having repetitive thoughts, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, most likely OCD, go get the help you need. I'm just curious. And thank you for saying that too. And I mean, the stigma has been erased some, but it, it's still there. And, you know, I know in talking to Robin Lehner, like even when he went in the substance abuse program, when he came out, he was advised, don't talk to anyone about it or don't tell anyone you were there. Oh, yeah. What have you seen changed? And, you know, if Carrie Price is going in now and being so public about it, is that a significant moment? This is going to change a lot of things because former players come forward because they've got nothing to lose. But we need active players. We need guys like Carrie Price to, to be the leader. Uh, we've got Kevin Love that's come forward, Hayden Hurst. We've got a lot of guys in other leagues. 
But something like this for hockey is so important because we have that manly macho thing that we don't ask for help. We don't talk about our stuff and our feelings, um, you know, and I always say this, Linda and, and Emily, I, I made an attempt at my own life. And do you think any of my buddies on my hockey team would have came to my funeral and said, what a man, he sucked it up. Yeah, what a man, he went out like a man, you know? No, they all would have said, why didn't he talk to me? Why didn't he say something? And as men, we have to know that we're there for each other and that you can talk to somebody. You can talk to me. You can still be a man on the ice. You can still get in fights. You can do whatever you want. But off the ice, we have to learn to be able to talk to each other because what's in our brains we need to get it out and we need to be able to talk about our feelings and women are typically better than that uh, with it, but still it can go the same for women. So uh, this is a great thing and hopefully more men, it'll be encourage them to come forward. You know, at least the league has this place where players like Carrie Price did that they, you know, it was a formal situation. Now the head coach of Montreal, uh, Dominique Ducharme spoke about Corey about, He's going to be away from us for at least 30 days. It might be longer. But as you know, there, there shouldn't be a timetable on a recovery like this. No. And just because you have money doesn't mean you have problems right? or, or mental health issues. And that's another thing. I remember seeing Tuka Rask in the bubble. He left and a lot of the comments were, he makes $5 million, suck it up. Just because you make money doesn't mean that you don't have problems and mental health problems. And we shouldn't shame people for the amount of money they make to go get help that they need. And this is going to make Carey Price a better person for his family, for everybody around him. And it's going to encourage others to go get help. And Linda and Emily, especially you, Linda, it's the goalies that are the crazy ones, is it not? Haven't we been called since right now? No, we're, we're not. Crazy. I fight it every day. We're just the ones that are more likely to come forward, right? right. That are, we, I think we're a little more in tune because of what we go through and the pressure of the goaltending position. What changes would you like to see in the NHL to make it an easier environment for guys to come forward or maybe a better environment for them to get help? They need former players and people to come in and speak to the teams, NHL teams, the young guys at rookie camps, Nashville had me come in and speak to their rookies. You need to let your players know that it's okay to not be okay. And then you need education for your coaches. So they know what to look for. They know what to see um, because they're going to be the front line. And then you need to let players know um, that, you know, you can come to me and that's guys are most likely uh, to come to a teammate first before they go to a coach. So it's education around the horn, coaches, players, uh, junior players. That's where we're going to make a difference. I'll tell you, Corey, we've talked so many times. I know how important this is for you uh, to share this message. Um, if players want to reach out to you or what are some of the things that you plan to do or doing? Because this is like a mission for you. Really, every time we talk, there's something new you're working on. It's uh, This is my life's passion. And Linda and Emily, you can put any game of hockey that I ever won in or, or any award or, or whatever, even though they were far and few between in the NHL. Okay. So I'm sorry if you had to watch me play, but it's all good. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> but the mental health stuff, it far exceeds anything I've ever done in hockey or any ever, any win. And it's helping others. That's what I love to do. So I've got some things coming. I got a player's tribune podcast coming uh, with some incredible former professional athletes and current that have gone through things 
that are just gonna we're gonna blow the doors off the stigma i hope with this and uh we're gonna launch it in november i've got a book coming linda you'll be the only one that reads it i know but i'll send you a copy i read too Corey. <laughs> emily no you don't i know you okay i've no of course you do you'll get you know what i'll 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 send you one too. Thank you. But I know it'll end up in the bargain bin a week later. That's okay though. Right. And you two will be the only one that have read it, but you know, it's all, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Uh, the players tribune, they're champions in mental health and they just want to help people. So I'm, I'm so excited and I can't thank you both enough for having me on. Right. It's you guys that give me the platform to be able to share my story and talk to other people. And I wouldn't be able to do that without you. So thank you so much. I, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Um, and you guys are the best and your support means the world to me. Seriously. When I was sick, I couldn't imagine a day like today where we'd sit around and we talk about mental health, um, laying in my bed, not being able to get out of bed, you know, wanting to not go on. Um, and this is just, we're, we're getting there. We got a long way to go, but we're getting there. Thanks so much, Corey. We really appreciate you. Keep up the amazing work and don't be a stranger. We'll continue the conversation. I uh, love it, you guys. Yeah. And Corey, her 72 is my Instagram. Um, you can reach me there if you want to see it. I need more followers. It's, I, need, <laughs> All right. I need more likes. <laughs> like Linda and I have clout. No, we appreciate that you think that. But honestly, uh, Corey, hockey yeah. needs a voice like you. And hockey's so lucky yeah. to have oh, you. you. So we, we're really appreciative that you're part of the community. And we'll talk soon. A big hug fest. Love you both. And let's talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Powerful stuff, obviously, from Corey Hirsch there. You know, for those who don't know, and Emily, you probably know this already. But back in 2017, uh, Corey wrote this amazing article for the Players' Tribune. So it's sort of like people who didn't even know Corey Hirsch existed. And the title of this article, it had like about eight darks in it. It was really entitled Dark, 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 Dark. That was the name of this um, article that Corey Hirsch wrote into the Players' Tribune. And we heard him just say that he had tried to take his own life once and and how he deals with OCD, but it was good. It was enlightening. It was informative. And I thought both of us thought it was very important uh, to hear his uh, story and what he's doing and how he can help. So follow him on, on Instagram. As he said, he could use the follows, but more important, he could probably help you if you're going through anything, yeah. um, which kind of brings us to uh, Robin Lehner. And nobody has been uh, on this story than you. And I got to wonder, Emily, uh, I don't know if there's any connection with Carrie Price doing this or feeling more comfortable doing this, but maybe in a small way, Robin had something to do with it because he's been so outspoken about what he deals with regarding mental health. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever be able to quantify it, but what guys like Corey Hirsch and Robin Lanner, who, in my opinion, have been the two most vocal advocates for mental health, um, have done, it's unbelievable and just making guys realize that it's okay to talk about these things. And okay. So like an update on Robin, the last time we yeah. talked, he was, you know, doing his Twitter tirade. He was threatening to release a story a day until he got the NHL or NHLPA um, to listen to him and affect change. And he got an audience and he got a phone call with them with the NHL NHLPA. He said it was a really productive chat. I talked to him. He said that finally, I do think that they're listening. And I understand that the way things get done in this league, Quite frankly, they don't listen to the Daniel Carcillos of the world and the ex-players that come with a vengeance and kind of come yielding a knife. What they want is to work with people behind the scenes. And Robin feels like he's in that position. Um, he also just feels a little overwhelmed. I think 
in talking to him the other day, this kind of snowballed a little bit out of his control, especially right as the season started. And he literally asked me a favor, Linda. He's like, hey, do you mind putting out there, um, you know, that I'm taking my messaging behind the scenes right now and I need people to give me the space and time because I trust the NHL and I really actually have confidence that they're listening to me and we can affect change right now. Um, but you need to let the process work itself out. You need to let me start the season. You need to let me still have these calls and then we'll see and hold them accountable. So I put that out there at his behalf. Um, I thought that was honestly a lot of maturity from him um, to really understand the situation, understand the best way he used his platform to get attention. And now he understands the best way to affect change is behind closed doors. Yeah. And that was the lesson because that in our last episode of in the crease, that's what I spoke about with you. I was concerned about the way he went about it, but you know, you can't expect Robin Lehner or others to act like you probably would act. And I'm saying that in a broader span, uh, broader situation, a broader example, because, you know, whatever we're into, meaning you, me, anyone who's listening, whatever, and, you, and someone disappoints you, we well, have to remember that you can't expect everyone to act like you would act in that situation mm-hmm. because it just doesn't happen. And until you realize that, you will stop being judgmental. So it took a process for Robin Lehner to figure that out and talk with the right people with the National Hockey League and the Players Association. And he was able to go through that process and realize just what you said, that this is the best way to go about it. Not on Twitter, but behind closed doors. And yes, more things will get done because I think the league has changed. I mean, one thing that we're all in agreement is the league is not how it was back in the day. When I mean back in the day, I mean five or 10 years ago. So that's a good thing for the league moving forward. And I'm glad Robin Lehner is on the right path uh, to sharing that message and doing it uh, the right way. And Linda, you remember how this all started, right? Jack Eichel. Yeah, his buddy Jack Eichel. The reason Robin brought all of this to the league's attention last week is he was upset more people weren't talking about the Jack Eichel situation, that Jack Eichel, one of the best players in the league, the captain of the Buffalo Sabres, well, firstly, he was rescinded of his captaincy and is not playing right now because he wants one neck procedure, his team wants another, and they're at the stalemate. And because of the CBA, the team has the final say of what procedure he gets. But you know what happened is Robin Lanner in these calls with the NHL and NHLPA learned both of those sides have actually been doing a lot of work behind the scenes in the last couple of weeks to push this along because I think they realize it's at the point where they need an intervention. This is bigger than just Jack versus the Buffalo Sabres. And now my understanding is that Jack Eichel's medicals are being shared with prospective teams that he could get traded Finally, to. Finally. I know. I've exactly. been begging for this. Clarity. And it's honestly, I think that's the most frustrating thing is like, you're like, I've been begging for it. This has been going on months, months. This should have happened over the summer. It's finally happening now. And now the people I talk to say, okay, we think that now it's a matter of just time and weeks where one of the teams that wants Jack Eichel will agree to get the procedure that Jack Eichel wants, trade for him. He'll get that procedure. Six weeks later, he'll be on the ice and there will be a resolution. So yeah, me saying that, where do you think he goes? Oh, listen, the long list, uh, everything I'm hearing, obviously Kings, Rangers, those are the two that come right up to the top uh, regarding who would need, want a Jack Eichel more? See, Vegas and Minnesota are top of the list for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, perfect fits, perfect needs there. Uh, obviously, Vegas, just a generational center away from winning the Stanley Cup, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, Minnesota is an exciting team. Last night, I was watching preseason hockey. Minnesota against St. Louis. They scored like 
three or four unanswered goals winning in overtime. It was incredible. That's what I love about the wild. They no more are boring, boring, boring. They're very exciting. But we'll have a lot of time to talk about the wild. But I could see him on the wild. But I could also see him on the L.A. Kings. You know, L.A. is about superstars, stars. The Kings don't have that. With all due respect to our buddy Drew Doughty, you know, they need like a super duper star and they don't have it. And uh, Jack Eichel would be great there because it is L.A. Hollywood home of greatness. And I think Jack Eichel wouldn't feel all that pressure playing on a, on a franchise with the LA Kings. And you could say the same with playing on a team like the Vegas Golden Knights with all those stars, great leadership by Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, Alex Petrangelo. You put a Jack Eichel there. See, that's the thing with Jack Eichel. So much talent, Emily, we know that. He's so much talent for goodness sake. Every, our listeners know it, but the, no pressure. Once he gets healthy, he's not, he's not gonna have that pressure of wearing the C He's not going to have that pressure of carrying a team that, let's face it, is below mediocre in skill. And he could go to a winner. And it doesn't mean that he's just that kind of player where, oh, you know, like the like the Kevin Durant syndrome in the NBA back in the day when he joined the Golden State Warriors, people were ripping KD. That's not the situation here. There's nothing wrong with doing so if you're Jack Eichel. And how old is he again? Like, is he even 20? What is he, 25, 26? The guy's like, oh, no, not so even. Young. Yeah. I mean, he's 24 years old, Linda. It's crazy. I know he's drafted in 2015 and he was so young with, of course, Connor McDavid. But yeah, so um, different situation here. And then everyone could live happily ever after. And the Sabres could rid themselves of what they probably define as a big headache, a migraine at this point. And they can continue on their endless rebuild while some lucky team will have Jack Eichel and put them one step closer to winning the Stanley Cup. Okay, this feels like the perfect transition because today we got to get into the Metropolitan Division. We've got to talk about it. Right. Do we bring up, we want to make it clear, I told people on social, I said, listen, we, I, I put it later in our episode of this podcast because of, out of due respect to Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. But Emily, Emily and I definitely left out Montreal when we previewed the Atlantic Division. I'll put it simply, who thinks of Montreal on the ice now? I mean, come on, they're not making the playoffs. I for, like forgot the existence. They just made the Stanley Cup final, Linda. Cole Caulfield and Brendan Gallagher. Doesn't matter. Brendan Gallagher and Cole Caulfield, I still love you both. You're still exciting. You're still gritty and gutty. Cole Caulfield is a highlight reel, constant daily highlight reel. But now, you know, now again, there's no way. Come on. There's no way in that Atlantic division they're making the playoffs. So I just totally like put them out of my head. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. No, I like that excuse. Honestly, like there's a lot of young players to be excited about. Cole Caulfield's one of them. Nick Suzuki's another kid yes, that's really yes. coming and finding his own. Um, other than that, though, like I look at their defense and I'm like, eh. and I look at their goaltending now and it's all on Jake Allen. That's right. Um, and I just, yeah, I just don't see it for them this year. They lost a big leadership void and Shea Weber. Um, a lot of changes. Yeah, no Philip Deneau, who I love. Uh, he's a no goner. Philip Deneau. They yeah. also lose a guy via an offer sheet in this economy. Can you believe it? And yes, Barry Kotkaniemi. Well I can said. say that correctly. Thank well you. Said. I don't think I did it well. Moy moy. I can speak a little Finnish, not all of it. Yes, um, but he will. And that's that's a good segue because he is now a member, at least for one year, for $6 million or whatever the hell it was, uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. So we are talking Metropolitan Division right now. And... My claim is five teams are coming. Five playoff teams are coming for the Metro. They wow. are the toughest. They are the toughest division in the NHL. Um, there'll only be three teams coming from the Atlantic. That's whoever finishes in first, second, third. We already discussed that last episode of In the Crease. 
Metro, I think five teams are going in. I think this division is that good. Uh, I'll break it down. But Emily, I mean, I don't know. You think I'm crazy? Do you think five teams are going in? I think five teams are going in. I think it's, I mean, there's so many good teams of in this division. Of course it's possible. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Anything's possible. The limit exists. Uh, the limit does not exist. It does exist. We have to have a certain amount of teams. Um, okay. Let's start at the top though, because I do think that the Carolina Hurricanes are the team to beat. Um, I think it's a big contingency. If goaltending holds up, I feel like that's the contingency for every team. I really like what they did though. I think Freddie Anderson is an upgrade over what they had. They finally have got some depth there. They're just so damn skilled at their forward group. And they so fit that identity of Rod Brendan Morris, this hardworking team, a relentless team. You combine that with the skill level that they have with some of their forwards, like Sebastian Ajo and Tipo Teravainen, Andres Svechnikov, I'm sure is going to take a big step forward this year. Um, Marty Nietzsche. Like you could go on and on. There's really good players on this team. You hit everything with Carolina, but I think they're going to be battling it out with the Islanders for first place. The Islanders, uh, I could see them winning, uh, taking the division. It would be their first division title of any kind in any division with any name on it since 1987-88. It's been that long since they finished in first place. But Anders Lee's coming back for the Isles that we know, of course, friend of the podcast. We also know that uh, they have a great fourth line, the best in the NHL, and don't underestimate the power of the fourth line, Okay. And don't underestimate the power of the terrific tandem and goal. I love their goaltending. I think it's one of the most terrific tandems in the league and Varlamov and Sorokin. So I think that gives them the edge. And you know what else gives them the edge? Yeah, I like Ron Brindamore too. Rod Brindamore too. I think there's a real urgency there. I think the owner really expects Carolina to do some serious things and take it to the next level this year after, uh, you know, the improvement they had last year. But they still had, even though they had a great top six and we talk about their top six forwards, at times, they were offensively challenged when it matters most. You know, the postseason is a different game. And they couldn't score the big goal when it mattered most. The Islanders found a way to do so. And I put my money on Barry Trotz. You know, if you're looking at the guy who's guiding this team, I really like Barry Trotz. So I like the Islanders, number one. I like Carolina, two. And breaking news, I don't want to hear these people yelling at me and saying, oh, Lindy, you're such a homer. I think the Rangers are going to get one of these five spots. And I really wouldn't be surprised if they finished in third. And I'll tell you why. I love the improvements they made in all ways. I love their goaltending. I love their improvement with Georgiev, obviously, and Chesterkin. I love the improvements they've made uh, regarding getting tougher. I'm probably the only Ranger fan that wasn't crying over the Pavel Buchnevich to St. Louis trade for Sammy Blay. I, I was not. Because I am not, I was never a huge fan. Yes, he has some skill, but regular season skill for Buchnevich. He's just not tough enough for me. So we know about Ryan Reeves. We know about, of course, um, the other uh, amazing additions like Barclay Goudreau, okay. what he meant for the Lightning. Oh, you could go ahead. Jump I think Barclay right, Goudreau, I see what they were doing and I get all the points they were trying to make. You think, do you think they paid him too much? Way too much. He's going to score six goals for them. All right, but he'll score 12 in postseason. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. No, sure. Maybe not 12. He'll score another six in the postseason. How about that? <laughs> he was a really great player and played. Okay, fair. He played a really great role in that line, but he just doesn't run up the ice the same way that Yanni Gord and Blake Coleman did. And I just also feel like it's, I think it's just a role thing. I don't know. Like sometimes if you put a guy with the right players around him in a very specific, you've got one job to do, they can do it great. And then you take him on another team and you expect him to do that same exact thing in a different environment with different expectations, maybe more ice time, maybe against tougher out competition. It doesn't always work out. Yeah. You know, I know that's, that's part of hockey. I get that, but let's get back to the, uh, 
why I think the Rangers are going to finish in third. It's because <laughs> I think Alexei Lafreniere, I think Capococco, I think they're going to take the next steps. Oh, and did I mention they have a new coach? With all due respect to David Quinn, I love Gerard Gallant. I mean, the resume speaks for itself, but players love him. They play hard for him. Uh, he will be a difference maker for them. Uh, oh, oh yes. Remember the two guys that uh, put the puck in the net? Mika Zimbanajet and Artemi Panarin? Uh, they're going to be around too. And speaking of Panarin, so Emily and I had a, a great opportunity to talk to both Jacob Truba and the reigning Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, recently. And uh, it was Jacob Truba who talked to us about, Emily, I think you asked an amazing question about Artemi Panarin, and here's what the answer was. Give us a story about what Artemi is like off the ice. What's his personality like? He's actually really, really funny. He's, uh, <laughs> he plays the, the no English thing sometimes with, oh, I know. with you guys. <laughs> Not so much with us. But he's, uh, he's really funny. He's very, very smart, which people don't really know. He's very just intelligent in a lot of different walks. He uh, loves playing chess. Oh. Right. So don't know that. Queen's Gambit, did he watch? Uh, I don't know, but I'm sure he has. Did you watch? I did not. It's pretty good. I don't yeah. play chess. <laughs> you don't have to. You and Kelly would love it. Oh, maybe we got to watch that one. But yeah, he's, he's a very, like, he's not like overly talkative, like in a giant group, but if you get him in like a one-on-one -on -one conversation or in a smaller group, he's very smart and very, very funny. Yeah, he's really got to see The Queen's Gambit, by the way. I mean, still one of the best all-time shows on Netflix. Do you know what I loved about it? Yeah. The mother-daughter relationship in that show was unlike a mother-daughter relationship I had ever seen depicted in film, in books. It was just so unique. She's an amazing actress. I saw her on Saturday Night Live and I almost didn't recognize her, you know, after the, the, the popularity of Queen's, Queen's Gambit. But we digress. You know what? I'm still on the Rangers. I can't get enough of it. I'm sorry. Jacob Truba, we, taught, we heard from him. What about Adam Fox? Did I mention he's the reigning Norris Trophy winner? Well, he had this to say about the changes on the Rangers this year. Let's talk about the Rangers quickly because in the offseason, it's I not mean, so quickly, not so quickly. <laughs> we have a lot to get into. And it was an eventful offseason. It was an eventful couple months for you guys. And it does seem like the through line of a lot of the moves that they made is that you guys are getting tougher and more physical. Did you feel like your team needed that? Uh, you know, I think it's it's a little bit tough just because of the situation our team was in. We were obviously a you know rebuilding team. It was you know stated that it was rebuilding, and a lot of focus was on development. But uh, you know, and I think if you look at the successful teams, they have those guys who play those roles and and are able to bring a certain element to a team, and guys with experience and guys who have been on winning teams. So I think just bringing that in will help everyone. But you know, at the same time, there was a lot of guys who. You know, it was development focused and, you know, I think guys will take that next step because of it. Honestly, firstly, if you're an Islanders fan and you're yes. listening to this, you're like, I can't believe they glossed over them for 20 seconds. They get all of this Rangers talk. But wait I a minute. I picked the Islanders in first place to win their first division title. And Give yet me they'll a break. still find a way to say, oh, Linda's sliding us. They're not talking <laughs> about us enough. Poor us. We're just the little brothers. They're moving yes. into a new arena. Is that OK? The UBS arena end of November. And they... By the way, here's what, how, what, how much faith I have, Emily. I'm glad you brought up the Islanders again. I have so much faith in the Islanders, besides for the obvious reasons that I just mentioned, blah, blah, blah. They're starting with a million games on the road. What is it, like 12 or 13, 14 yeah. games on the road because they can't get into their new arena, which will be gorgeous, but they can't get into it. I still think they'll be fine. They'll probably finish two games over 500 on the road during that long road trip. They'll be just where they want to be. 
for their season-long run to a division title. Is that better? I like that. I think they're going to be much happier with you now. Yes. We like to keep the people happy. Do you know who's happy right now? Who? Alex Ovechkin. He came to the player media tour, was his typical Alex Ovechkin self, not exactly verbose, did confirm that he still eats that disgusting, heavy cream pasta before games, which just cracked me up. Yeah, that's he's not dairy free. That's a shame. But somehow it works for him. It works for him. And honestly, like, I kind of feel the caps this year. There was too much drama last year. I do. I feel the sense that. There was why the COVID issues <laughs> and there was some drama and they were adjusting to the new coach of Peter Laviolette. And I just feel like this is a team that still hasn't quit yet. And there's a lot of underrated players that I think still have some juice in them. I don't think John Carlson gets enough love for the incredible defenseman that he is. I really don't. There was the one year he was getting all the Norris love because he had a high point output. And we all know whoever gets the Norris is pretty much the defenseman with the highest point output. Still pretty damn good back there. And that well-oiled power play, the That's way that they can- really good. That's where, where he's, he's really good. good. And the way that they can have Oshi down there on the bumper and Ovi in his office. And it's just, they know what they're doing. I'm a little concerned about Nick Baxter not being available to start, a little worried about their depth. But what excites me most about this team is they're starting to work in some of these younger prospects because let's face it, this is a team that's going to have to retool or transition pretty soon. Yeah, Kuznetsov, I need a bigger season out of, you know, you need the core group to step up. You need all those big guys. to. That's who's going to carry them. Oh, yeah. Did I mention Tom Wilson's still there? He's the guy every team would love to have Tom Wilson on their team. I'm not going to be that person. Uh, I've, I, he's such an amazing player. I wish he was on the team that I root for. But he's so he really is so skilled. And but I, I think if they're getting in, Emily, I think it's going to be one of those final two playoff spots out of the Eastern Conference. And that segues me to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm. And uh, (laughs) I feel there, everything depends on their goaltending. I said it in one of our previous episodes. Listen, Tristan Jari's a nice guy. He's a nice young man, Emily. He's nice. But can he stop the puck when it matters most? Can he be the man for the Pittsburgh Penguins? We know no Crosby with his wrist. We know no Malkin with his knee. Probably longer Malkin will be out for the beginning of the season. Crosby will miss a few weeks, maybe a month. Uh, with the wrist uh, surgery that he had. But come pl- uh, trading deadline time, and if the Penguins are in bad shape, and I mean bad shape for the Penguins, meaning outside of the playoff picture and looking in, are they going to make a move for a guy like John Gibson, who's a Pittsburgh native? Are they going to make a move for another goalie out there that they can grab? Because I'm just not totally convinced Tristan Jari is the answer for the Penguins moving forward, and they better figure this out soon because they might be left out of the playoff picture. Isn't it funny how, like, Two years ago, they had so many goalies they didn't know what to do with. They had so much goalie depth, and now this is their question. For me, it's not necessarily the goaltending that gives me pause. It's just their health. This team has been stupid banged up the last two seasons, and I'm going to be there opening night in Tampa, and I'm like, what roster are they putting out there? Yeah, Jeff Carter is their number one center. After that, like, the center depth is pretty thin. Um, we know they're missing their top two guys. It's kind of an AHL roster that they're bringing out there. They're That's, really going to wow. need guys like Gensel and Rust and Kasperi Kapitan to step up in a big way. I just, I don't know. There's just too much going on with this team. It's kind of the new management, the new, um, you know, 
vibe on how we should retool, how we should rebuild. Should we still be competitive with Crosby? I just feel like this is kind of going to be a weird and lost season for them. And I would not be shocked if they missed the playoffs. Yeah, we're in agreement there. Although Mike Sullivan still one of the best coaches in the NHL, still Completely. going strong. And let it be known, like even if they have a poor season and miss the playoffs, I cannot imagine him on the hot seat. The stuff that he has no. done, the way he's respected around the league, um, he's their coach of the future, in my opinion. Absolutely. A team that I'm like, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I expect big things from are the New Jersey Devils. Maybe I'm in the minority here. That's the trendy pick of it. Like for years, yeah. it was like the Carolina Hurricanes were everyone's trendy pick. And then they never got to, you know, it took them a while. Now here they are. The New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Everyone's saying like, oh, the fancy stats show that they can be a playoff team. And I'm like, I know they made some improvements and I know they brought in Dougie Hamilton yeah. and they know that Jack Hughes is matured a bit and Nico yeah. he will be back, but like still really young, young team. Yeah. And uh, you know, they have some issues with the whole vaccine situation with Mackenzie Blackwood. They have Jonathan Bernier. They picked up uh, you know, he's going to be the man until, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood figures things out with that whole, uh, you know, vaccine thing. Yeah. I mean, you still have PK Subban there. Dougie Hamilton is going to help the power play, help the cause. Uh, on, but on the, as for the, def, uh, the position that Dougie Hamilton plays, I mean, we know he's going to put the puck in the net. We know he's going to help generate offense uh, for the forward group a, as well. And like I said, the power play is going to be better. But um, they're going to be improved. I'm a big fan of Jack Hughes. I think he's going to reach over 70 points this year. Again, I think I'm in the minority with that. But I think that's how big a jump uh, Jack Hughes is going to make. And Nico, he's sure I love. I think these guys have, have something to say here because uh, I don't think they're listening to the people that are calling them a sexy pick. I think they're still hearing that the New York Metropolitan teams, they're still the third worst team of the three and they still don't get enough attention. I'm giving them attention, but not enough to put them in the postseason. But they're getting there. I think it's hilarious that here we are in the year 2021. How long has New Jersey been a team in this league forever? And Still, this offseason, their general manager needs to send a recruiting video to all of the agents touting all the benefits of living in New Jersey. Look at the schools, look at the parks, look at the museums, look at the proximity <laughs> to New York City. It's like, right. Look how close you are to Manhattan. Dude, and I'm embarrassed because I'm from New Jersey. And it's like, we don't need to be doing that. Like, it's it's a great place to play. But I guess the word in the league, and they felt like they needed to. Yeah. So you do look around, look around with these other cities where some of these NHL teams are. You do. Mm-hmm. You have to find ways. That is for sure. OK, we talked about all of these teams like the Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins before we talked about the Flyers, who I actually think are a playoff team. It can happen. I'm telling you, it should happen. Well, it can happen. How it should happen. happen. Penguins won't make it. Flyers will get in. Whether it's a wild card, like I mentioned, because I think, you know, five teams will be coming out of the Metro. So they're going to be one of those five teams. You know what this depends on? It all depends on Carter Hart. I know I go back to the goalie, but it's all about the goalie, Emily. It's all about it. Don't ever forget it. Carter Hart, it was a horrific season for him. I know how young he is. Don't get on my case, Flyers fans. But you're right there with me, Flyer fans. You know what I'm saying. Carter Hart got your hopes up in the rookie season. Then last year happened. Then it was a disaster. No team allowed more goals than the Philadelphia Flyers last year. Okay? Can you imagine if they had an 82-game season? This was just a 56-game season. So it was really bad. Bad as in bad. Uh, Can it get better? Of course it can. They've made changes. They've brought in these veteran defensemen led by one of my favorite people, Keith Yandel. He is now a Philadelphia Flyer. He is not alone. He is there. He is important. Rasmus Ritzelainen. He is a uh, Philadelphia Flyer now. And who else? Ryan Ellis. Ryan Ellis. 
Oh my Top God! The pairing defenseman wonder. with Ivan Provorov. The bearded wonder from the National Predators and that experience that he brings, and so laid back and a good leader on and off the ice. Not just a cliche; it's a fact. So I think a lot of it is going to have to depend. The combination for me is those three older backliners stay healthy, along with Carter Hart rebounding uh, in net, and they also picked up Martin Jones just in case. For some uh, goaltending security. My spicy take is that Martin Jones is going to thrive in Philadelphia. My other spicy take is that Carter Hart is fine. Just fine. He honestly, I met him a couple years ago. It was when it was his first season as a pro. He was in Lehigh Valley in the A. We had a nice chat at the rink. And I was just so taken away by his precociousness and his maturity. Um, And I think last year was really difficult for him because as mature as he can be about hockey, he's still a really young kid. And I think the life stuff and dealing with COVID was probably pretty difficult. But when you look at the through line of all the moves that GM Chuck Fletcher made, it was to add competitiveness, um, toughness and experience, because that's what he felt like his team was just lacking that resilience or that bounce back. Like when things didn't go well, they just let things spiral. So I really like that as the theme for this year. Um, you know, and they also brought in a guy like Cam Atkinson, who I think is yeah. motivated because he didn't want to leave Columbus. He didn't want to leave Columbus so bad that I saw him the day before he was traded at the Columbus draft day party at the arena signing autographs for kids. He loved being in Columbus. I think he'll bring that same passion to Philadelphia. Um, I, I think this is a playoff team. I think, yes, you know, everything does have to hit kind of right when it comes to the goaltending, when it comes to health. Um, but I believe in them and I believe in their talent. Yeah, the, I, I think the Flyers are a playoff team. I want to be clear there because I think it's going to be the capitals of the Penguins who don't make it. Yeah. And so I think that's where the Flyers are going to come in. And uh, and I love the Cam Atkinson deal. Uh, Jake Voracek goes back to Columbus. What Cam brings, young guy, fun guy, speed. He's great shorthanded. He's always up there in shorthanded goals. He's great on shootouts. Uh, that's a value. And uh, the Flyers will figure it out. Plus, they have the best mascot in the business and gritty. Can can we not forget about mentioning Gritty? There would I not mean, be a Flyers guy. podcast mentioned without the reference to Gritty. Let's just be honest. Yes. I mean, come on. I'm waiting for my limelight when I could do a sports center commercial with Gritty. I think he's done about five already with others. But Gritty, if you're listening. Make it six. It's Linda Cohn. Yeah, come on. I mean, me and you, perfect match. The chemistry would be I was unreal. with Mr. Met. Right. I mean, I, I was I made Mr. Matt who he is because I used to do sports center commercials with Mr. Matt. Say no I'm more. Mr. Matt, you will him. elevate right. Gritty to that next level of celebrity. And I'll allow Gritty to elevate me for the love of elevation. Emily. Mutually beneficial. I need I need a Gritty uh, commercial. That, that is for sure. OK, we have to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, we do. We're not going to leave out those Blue Jackets. Can we talk about the fact that Cole Sillinger, their first round pick, is going to make the roster. Pretty impressive. Of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, I, of course. Well, who's this, competing with it? It's him? fair. I just feel like for the <laughs> development path, typically you would send a kid like that back to juniors. But lo and behold, like you said, it's thin. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting year for them. It's definitely a rebuild. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to say it. You are afraid to not afraid to say it even more. And, you know, I, I kind of respect what they did because it's like they ripped off the bandaid. I just talked about Cam Atkinson. He didn't want to leave. And it was surprising. It's like, if they're going to go for it and they're getting rid of Seth Jones this year, because Seth Jones doesn't want to be there, like let's start over and let's really have a fresh slate. And I do give them a lot of respect for that. Um, I like their goaltending situation. Love Elvis Merzlikens. I'll go on the record with it. It's interesting. We just did the um, the point, uh, the first show with Torts, and he was saying that he likes Corpy. He likes Corpusalo a lot. You know, that was one of his goalies. And I think 
the two of them can be a really good tandem. And there's a lot of motivation for Corpusalo now because he's fighting for a contract and Elvis Merzlikens just got the security of a new five-year deal. Well, that's interesting. You brought up Corpusalo. That could be that guy should have should be really focused and ready because if there's a team out there who needs to bolster their goaltending or add depth to their goaltending late in the year, that's a guy I could see then Columbus saying bye-bye to mm-hmm. go sign with another team and trade him, see what they can get for him. And the other big question mark, Patrick Line. What's going on? I mean, it's now or never, Patrick. This is the time you have to take charge of this team. Let's see your leadership skills in the form of scoring goals. We know you still have a deadly shot. We know what you can do with it. Let's see it. Certain players I just become apologists for, and like they can do no wrong in my book. When I cover the NFL, it was Odell Beckham for me. I'm the biggest Odell Beckham apologist. I'm the biggest Patrick Line apologist. There's something about him. I just have such a sweet spot for I met him in Winnipeg. It was his second year in the league. He was so moody, so blunt. And there was something about him I just found so endearing. But you're right. This is a time for him. You know, he's talked about sucking or not playing up to his standards. Well, he has this one-year deal right now. If he wants to stick here, if he wants to get paid elsewhere, you got to prove it. And here's your opportunity. So I'll be rooting for him because, like I said, I'm an apologist for certain guys. I root for certain guys that I like personally. Um, I want it to work out for him. I don't know if there's a long-term future for him in Columbus, but I hope that this will catapult him to his next stop uh, where hopefully he'll find success. Well, you say he's moody. Let me tell you, Blue Jacket fans are moody, and I can tell which way their mood is going. So he better perform this year because I don't think there's a connection yet with this guy. They're still getting to know him. And so far, they and the Columbus fans – they're like the nicest hockey fans ever. They have so much patience. Oh, they're incredible. Okay? Incredible fan but, base. Yeah. But except when I remember a certain, certain time when they weren't that incredible. They were very mean to Rick Nash in his first return back to Columbus. Oh, yeah, that all was. Is, all is well now. Yeah. It was really all is ridiculous. well now. He's like working was, for the organization. Of course. So, you know, let's make a point there. They're not perfect. But since that time, they've come around and they have a lot of patience. But if I know any Blue Jacket fan... I know they're like, okay, enough's enough. Patrick Line, can you at least put the puck in the net? That's what we're paying you for. We hit every team in the Metropolitan Division because they deserved it. I love Linda. All of a sudden, this is going to be the running joke this year. Linda versus the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> they don't even deserve a mention in the Atlantic Division. Well, I can't wait until they make a surprise Stanley Cup final run again. We'll be eating our words. Uh, that's not happening. I know, sadly. I mean, but but by the way, this doesn't uh, like, change yeah, my mind no. about Montreal as a city that I would one day love to live in if Canada lets me in. I would love to so live there, too. That. Can we go get an apartment together in like old Quebec? I thought about that once when I did a story when Max Pacioretty yeah. was the captain and all the that, that story many years ago from Montreal. I literally had a conversation with everyone I ran into and met for the first time, Emily, saying, how much does it cost <laughs> here to live. What is the cost of living? I'd love to, I would definitely think of investing in a place there, Emily, where we'd always, we take turns having a place in Montreal. I love this. It's the romantic comedy we didn't know we needed. I need that. I think this is something, I mean, that's great. I'm all in. Okay. I would like to be your business partner. We should talk offline. Yes, we will. Done. Done and done. Okay. Done and done. Like this podcast. (laughs) I was about to say, I think we're done. (laughs) We are. See you next time.